You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, Episode 11. Today we kick off with our take on the U.S. election, including some sectors that got a short-term boost in the market. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, and in view of the Trump win, we review a viewer question on TransCanada Corporation TRP on the TSX. And in our Stars and Dogs of the Week, we review our one stock that soared following the Trump win, Corrections Corp of America, and one stock that tanked, Community Health Systems, Inc. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on at Twitter, at Keystocks, and on Facebook. Now let's dig into the show. I would again like to welcome my co-host, Keystone Senior Equity Analyst, a father of one, and a man who was not sure what to be more surprised by this past Tuesday, Donald Trump winning the election, or his Vancouver Canucks actually winning a game. Mr. Aaron Dunn. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm definitely more surprised about the Canucks winning a game, that's for sure. We all are. So we're going to talk first about the, uh, the surprise Trump win and, uh, and the impact this had on the markets. But first, we try to stay fairly unpolitical on the show, but we're going we're gonna to discuss why and give our takes kind of on why we think he won the election. I'm going to start by saying that, you know, there, there are so many factors here to consider, but if we take a worldview of this issue and focus less on Trump and more on the movement behind the political events, including Brexit, his surprise win is likely just the latest chapter in the rise of anti-establishment movement around the world. Now think of it, every major newspaper, news organization uh, opposed Trump, and hundreds of millions of dollars were spent to oppose him. Yet he still won convincingly. Now agree or disagree with what he says, and I do agree, disagree with most of what he says, the shocking win was a decisive one, and Trump, following that, has a mandate. Now, Hillary Clinton, for her part, represented the establishment to the anti-establishment movement, period. And all the money she spent did not even put a dent in this perspective. Uh, this, is in, this is entirely underestimated by almost every mainstream news organization. And perhaps most importantly, it was underestimated by the Democratic Party. While many clearly supported Trump, it appears many also held their nose, closed their eyes, and marked Trump in the ballot box because he was the only choice, not establishment, or not Clinton. Rightly or wrongly, I believe this was the most important factor. Yeah, I I would agree with you on that, Ryan. I'm going to take a, a slightly different perspective on it. I mean, similar, but just looking at it from a different angle. And and if you look at it, how this played out, it really was not a big victory of the anti-establishment mo- movement. And the result was, but when, when Trump actually won, I the first thing that I thought was, wow, he, he, he actually did a great job of driving people to the polls. But when we look at the actual turnout, this wasn't really a great victory for him as much as it was a great failure on Hillary's part. The turnout in this this election overall was low relative to the last two presidential elections. 
Trump actually drove a similar number of voters to his cause as Mitt Romney did, Mitt Romney did in 2012 and John McCain did in 2008. So the support for the Republican candidate wasn't really up. It was actually just essentially stable in this election, um, particularly when you when you look at it on a population adjusted basis. But Hillary's numbers, I mean, they were just they were just abysmal compared to Obama's in the last two elections. She just wasn't able to get Democrats to the polls. So as much as it looks like a, a victory of the anti-establishment, I would say it's just a. I, I, I would just say the, the anti-establishment were there. It was just a failure on the pro-establishment, or at least the the non-anti-establishment. Um, you know, she really didn't do, she, she didn't get Democrats out to the polls. She really didn't do a good job of getting minorities out to vote. And she somewhat surprisingly didn't do a great job with women either. And it's really crazy to think with all the attention wrapped around this election, um, Record ratings in in the debates, everybody talking about it, the buzz on social media, that that the turnout actually declined both on a percentage and absolute basis compared to in in previous elections. Yeah, I mean, the election in general was like watching a car wreck. It was really difficult to watch but hard to turn away generally. And uh, I mean, really what we focus on here is we're going to take a look at some of the market reactions uh, following the election. And it was a very interesting uh, 24 hours. Uh, the markets in Asia were actually open uh, as Trump, as it became, the, the world became aware that Trump really had a good chance at winning this election. And uh, they were tumbling initially that night. Um, and the Dow futures were predicting a 4% to 5% decline at one point in the Dow uh, on opening um, Wednesday morning. However, by the, time, by the time Trump was confirmed the winner and made his speech, financial markets had steadied. Uh, though uncertainty remained over Trump's trade, immigration, and geopolitical policies, investors appeared somewhat soothed by his victory speech in which he praised Clinton and urged, Amer urged Americans to come together as one united people after a, what was obviously a deeply divisive campaign. For me, it's really this Teflon Dawn striking again here. Apparently, all it took was one kumbaya speech from Trump and a threat to, and after the threats to rip up NAFTA and all the doomsday analysis of his light on substance economic plan and something about a wall being built, this was all forgotten. So go figure at that point, really. Uh, the market reaction was, was shocking and uh, very volatile, but then really steady. Yeah, so right now what I'm sure is on everybody's minds is, is how, how now that this is done, how are you going to position your portfolio for a Trump presidency? If you're, as a Canadian investor, do you invest in U.S. markets right now um, or do you wait and see what happens? So certainly... And I think you might have something to say on this run. Certainly, there are some industries that will benefit, and others that are that that we expect to come under pressure. Yeah, I mean, we saw some knee-jerk reactions, and we're always cautious when we see these type of reactions in individual stocks and sectors. But I mean, we can report on them and talk about them today. The sectors that have initially benefited, anything to do with security, guns, the financials, infrastructure, and what are considered dirty energy such as coal uh, performed very well after the election. The, while we said the morning was volatile, the U.S. stock market shrugged off their losses by midday and the initial shock 
of the election wore off and people started to embrace the idea of a Trump presidency. Like I said, several sectors rallied, including financials and energy, uh, with investors betting their respective industry regulations would be industry regulations in these sectors would be dialed back. Biotech and prison stocks also gained. Uh, now, there was this pull uh, tug of war between uh, renewable energy stocks and what we call, and many people call, dirty energy type stocks. I'm not sure we'd call them that, but the financial press is calling them that. Uh, the world's top coal trader, Glencore, that day rose more than 5%, while wind turbine maker, the largest in the world, Vesta, Vesta's Wind Systems, fell about 13%. Solar companies, including First Solar, Sun Power, and Solar City, were down 6, 6, 17% and 6% respectively. Now, the, this is for a president-elect, and, and you can see why these stocks are very volatile. This president-elect literally said, the wind kills all your birds. And solar, on solar, he said, it's not working so good right now. So he made no bones, really, about his support for uh, traditional energy, or what the financial press is calling dirty energy, uh, from his ties to the controversial Dakota Access Pipeline to his pledge to, pledge to bring back the dirtiest fuel on the planet, coal. So what of oil prices, which really kind of affects the Canadian market? Uh, crude prices really have wavered uh, and, and had a downward bias since the, uh, Trump, the Trump election. Now, I would explain this by saying, well, he will likely dial back or scale back regulation and encourage drilling uh, that plan would effectively keep oil prices lower due to a global oil glut, and this is what the market is digesting right now. So a Trump presidency right now, the market is saying, ends up being supportive for prices because the supply will be ample, so you're really looking at prices in the same range or lower. That's what the market is telling you right now. The way that plays out, we'll see over the next you know, one to three years. Yeah, what, what I think is really important for investors right now is just not to panic and not to try and make any short-term trades in response to Trump's win. There's really a lot of different scenarios that are possible um, under this new administration. Some of them will be bad. Some of them won't be that bad. And there are, are situations where there could be some real opportunities for Canada as well. But but right now, it's just it's too early to tell. Trump takes office at the end of January, and the first I think the first couple months are going to be really telling. We're going to see, is he going to be the Trump uh, that was campaigning, um, that the, the mentality that got him elected, where he just basically says anything and does whatever he wants, or is he going to calm down and, and, and act more presidential like he's been in, in some of his addresses to the public since, since the election? You know, we've always been advocates of keeping some capital on the sidelines during uncertain times, and, and I would say that this is no different if you're a Canadian looking to purchase stocks in the U.S., we would not advise completely holding off on those purchases, but we would definitely advise you to keep some capital on the sidelines uh, available to pounce on opportunities later on over the next several months. Um, certainly, we would like to see how the markets react to Trump actually being president once he once he takes office. We also have to remind everybody, too, that the president doesn't decide everything in the U.S., so even if Trump wants to enact certain policies, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to happen. I agree. I mean, and 
really uh, so much of our research is stock specific. So if we did find a company we thought offered great growth, good value, and traded at a reasonable price, we probably wouldn't hesitate to buy right now. Um, we just may, you know, like Aaron said, keep some funds on the sidelines and uh, you know note directions that the market is moving in, and then maybe position ourselves accordingly. Um, it's n- never a bad idea to, in uncertain times, have some cash uh, kind of on the sidelines, ready to deploy uh, when you see a more certain opportunity. So now we're going to introduce our Your Stock, Our Take segment. Aaron's going to get into this. There's We have a question from a, a uh, listener or viewer uh, out of uh, Calgary. Yeah, Bill out of Calgary. He wants to know about TransCanada Corporation and whether or not they will benefit from the Trump presidency. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with TransCanada, it's one of Canada's two largest pipeline and energy infrastructure companies. The symbol is TRP on the TSX exchange. Many of you may be familiar with the Keystone XL pipeline. It's no relationship to Keystone Financial. Um, this, is a, this is a major proposed pipeline that would connect the Alberta oil market with export markets in the Gulf of Mexico and the U.S., so going back, um, going back over eight years, the, the Keystone XL pipeline was TransCanada's major growth project. But we haven't heard a lot about the project over the last two years um, as the prospects of it being built were, were basically shut down by the Obama administration. With the Trump presidency and a Republican Senate, this project is more than likely back in play now. So the question was, what will this mean for TransCanada well, obviously, if they're able to build this this massive pipeline, then then it's going to be a net positive. Um, Keystone XL, it's it's about an eight billion dollar U.S. project. Right now, TransCanada has a more or less fifty billion dollar portfolio of growth projects, so it, it's it's fairly significant in that portfolio. Using a very quick and dirty calculation, I'm estimating that Keystone XL, fully up and running, might contribute about thirty five to forty five cents to TransCanada's earnings per share. Currently, they're they're operating at a run rate of uh, about three twenty per share in adjusted earnings. So there would be good, great growth from the pipeline coming online, but not necessarily transformational for TransCanada at this point. Overall, I, I would say I wouldn't run out right now and, and buy a large positioning in TransCanada just because of Keystone XL. TransCanada itself is trading at about 20 times earnings. And if you look at the size of the company, it's, it's very large, very stable name. So this is not a, this is not a horrible valuation. It, it might be fine long term. But when we were actively covering the company in the income stock report, we were buying at a slightly cheaper valuation. So I would more than likely look for, for an opportunity to, to buy TransCanada a little bit cheaper if that arises. Um, but one one big concern that we have here is not necessarily what the new Trump administration will do, but more what the Canadian government is going to do in response to Trump. So our liberal government has been pushing a carbon tax, which it plans to roll out over the upcoming years. Um, clearly, we don't expect Trump's government to to do the same, at least not by what he's been uh, what he's been saying. Um, this puts the Canadian energy sector at a distinct disadvantage to the U.S. If in Canada we, we have this carbon tax and in the U.S. they do not. And, and this is really, to me, the, the bigger issue that faces the Canadian oil patch right now. Will the Canadian government alter its policy in response to, to what happens in the, in the U.S. or what doesn't happen? If they don't, then Canadian producers are going to have a difficult time um, competing with U.S. producers. I agree. We're going to move to our stars and dog segment. Uh, these two companies are actually interlinked, the star and the dog this week. 
Now, by noon this past Wednesday, after the Trump Trump, Donald Trump had claimed victory in the race for the White House. Two companies, ironically both selling the same thing, beds, emerged as the best and worst performers on the New York Stock Exchange. While they do both, in fact, sell beds, this was truly a tale of two beds with very different ends. The Stock Exchange's worst performer at midday was Community Health Systems. Its biggest winner was Corrections Corporation of America. Their fortunes were a tale of care and punishment. Now it's time for this week's dog. From our Stars and Dogs segment, it's time for this week's dog. Community Health Systems, Inc., CYH on the New York Stock Exchange. Now, Community Health owns more U.S. hospital beds than any other publicly traded company. Following the Trump win, the stock dropped by more than 25% by noon on Wednesday. Trump had promised to repeal Obamacare. This is likely bad news for Community Health. A little more about Community Health. Well, the company, through its subsidiaries, owns and leases and operates 158 affiliated hospitals in 22 states with an aggregate of more than 27,000 licensed beds. We looked into the numbers behind the company. The revenue growth over the past three years has actually been very strong. The company has grown from 12.3 million in 2013 to 19.4 million in sorry that's billion in 2015. Now cash flows and earnings have fluctuated widely and the company's return on equity right now is negative. And income over the past 3 years despite that strong growth in revenue was negative. And up or up sorry up marginally. Now, this is a company what prior to the 25% drop was priced uh, at a level that I would say is a rich valuation. Now, with this uncertainty going forward, the company, uh, we would not recommend the company at these prices. And really, the 25% drop earns it the dog of the week. Now, we're going to move on to this week's star. From our stars and dogs segment, it's time for this week's star. Predictably, the company Corrections Corporation of America, CXW, on the New York Stock Exchange. Now, Correction Corporation was up more than 40% on Wednesday following the Trump win. It leases private pension prison beds, sorry, private prison beds to the government. Its shares had plummeted after Obama administration in August had said it would phase out the use of privately owned cells the most visible outgrowth of what only recently had been considered a new national consensus on mass incarceration. Now, Trump had proposed not only tougher law or has proposed not only tougher law and order policies, despite declines in violent crime over the past three years, but also to deport up to 11 million people. Even if he doesn't succeed in deporting them all, Thousands, maybe millions, will need to be jailed during the deportation proceedings. One conservative group has estimated that the car- that carrying out this pledge would cost $600 billion. That seems like a very hefty figure, but that would certainly be a great deal of revenue for CXW. Now, the company Corrections Corporation has increased its revenue over the past three years in this very tough environment. 
but income has been very lumpy. The company's third quarter highlights revenues were up 3.3%, diluted earnings per share were up 9.3%, and funds from operations or cash flow was up around 7.8 cents or 7.8%. The company's latest guidance, however, for 2017 is for lower EPS or lower earnings per share and lower cash flow. Now, this was issued prior to the Trump win, but given the fact that this company is guiding towards lower uh, cash flow, lower earnings, and its share price is up 40%, at this time, we think the shares are fully valued uh, based on the optimism going forward. And we would always caution basing long-term investment decisions on the pronouncements and whims of a politician. Now, while it is this week's star, we are not looking to buy the stock at this time and at these prices. That wraps it up for this week. Aaron, I thank you for joining me. Thank you. And as always, profitable investing. Profitable investing. <laughs>